Hello friends, how you doing? My name is Matt Barr and you're listening to the Looking Sideways Action Sports podcast. The podcast where I try and uncover the most fascinating stories in action sports and other related endeavours. Thanks for taking an hour or so out of your day to come to my little corner of the internet and have a listen to little old me. Uh, I'm still very appreciative of how many people seem to be digging it and uh, how many listens I'm getting at the minute. So yeah, thanks very much and I hope you enjoy this one. Right, so I'm going to get straight into it. If you're a regular, you'll have noticed that I've been producing the last few episodes in association with the charity Calm and uh, the the subject of Calm and mental health has come up a few times recently. And in today's episode, we're actually going to delve pretty deeply into this issue and the work of Calm. And we're going to talk about why it's so important that this topic is discussed. And yeah, it's it's quite a full-on one, but I hope you get a lot out of it. So like a lot of people, I first became aware of the work of CALM through Nelson's Tour de Test Valley, a CALM fundraising event held annually in memory of the much-loved and much-missed snowboarder Nelson Pratt. Now, as it happens, Nelson was a really good friend of mine. Like many people in the UK snowboarding community and beyond, I was extremely affected when he died a few years back. But out of this uh, awful situation, something wondrous has been created, which is the aforementioned Tour de Test Valley which quickly became a really important date in the calendar for everybody involved in UK snowboarding and for everybody who knew Nelson and now for for a lot of other people as well. It's important for a lot of reasons, as a chance for his friends to get together and celebrate his life, as a brilliant event in its own right, as a gathering of the tribes really for the UK snowboarding community and uh, obviously more importantly as a way of raising money for Calm and helping get this issue out in the open where it deserves to be and as you'll hear, to save lives. So the main driving force behind the Tour de Test Valley, along with Nelson's brother Chris Pratt, is one of my closest mates and Nelson's best friend Marcus Chapman. So in the lead up to this year's event, I thought it'd be a really nice idea to sit down with Marcus, find out more about the event, talk about Nelson's legacy, talk about the work he does as a trustee of Calm, and also how ordinary people can uh, can help if they want. And also if people are affected, how they can get help and, and the best ways of doing that. As you, as you might imagine, then the tone of this one is a bit of a departure for the podcast. Um, but for me, this episode is probably the most important one yet. And I will confess to being a little bit worried about how it would pan out because it's such a sensitive subject. And obviously, I wanted, it to, I wanted to treat it as such. And I didn't really want to indulge in any conjecture about what happened to Nelson because of the complexities of the issues. But myself and Marcus did hope that by talking about it, we could help illuminate these things and... And yeah, and, and hopefully just contribute to the wider ongoing campaign to to make mental health something that's a little bit more openly discussed. Above all, this is about discussing how we've been affected by this issue and uh, and helping people find ways of coping with their own difficulties and helping to explain that there are options and that there is support available. That's the ethos of CALM. That's the ethos behind Nelson's Tour de Test Valley. And above all, that's the legacy of, of Nelson's story. So yeah, on a personal level, for myself and Marcus, this was a really cathartic chat and, uh, and an emotional one too. And I do really want to applaud my friend Marcus for being so open and honest about his own struggles and also for the incredible legacy he's helped to create for his best friend. So yeah, I hope you enjoy it. Here it is, my conversation with Marcus about the event, but above all, our chat about one of our dearest and, uh, and much missed friends. So ride on Nelly. We miss you, brother. Um, I hope you enjoy it. See you later.
So, Marcus Chapman, how you doing? I'm really good. Yeah, it's yeah. really good to see you. Yeah, nice to see you too. Yeah. So here we are in, in the calm offices in, in London's Waterloo, and that is quite an amazing view that we should probably take a second to admire, eh? Yeah, we're right on the on the South Bank here, so right right in the heart of London, uh, with a huge amount of construction going on around us. But Calm have been here for a couple of years now, but we've just moved into bigger offices here, so the guys are really chuffed to have a bit more space. But yeah, it's a great great bit of London. Uh, proper in the thick of it, isn't it? Proper the, in the thick of got it. Got the I360, got Waterloo, you and got the city, you got London Eye. It's brilliant for them because it's right by Waterloo, so it's so easy for people to get in and out, but it's really buzzy. Yeah, it's got a really good uh, really good London London vibe going on. Yeah. So I reckon we should start with um with talking about calm really. I think people that have listened to the show will have noticed that I've been doing this uh, in association with Calm for the last couple of weeks. And in, and in my intro, I do explain, try and explain the reasons why I've, why I've been doing that um, and why I've been trying to support Calm and a little bit about what they do. But I think it'd be great if you could tell me a bit more about that. So what, what does it stand for and what do they do? So Calm, as, you, as you've said in your, in, in your intro, is, is the campaign against living miserably. Um, it was founded just over 10, 10 years ago. Um, by Jane Powell, um, who set up the charity, actually in, in the north, in, in Liverpool. Um, and since then, it, and especially in the last few years, it really has grown as the awareness and the, the, the awareness and work on, on mental health of, as, of, as the, issue. of yeah. the issue. Because yeah. Yeah. Um, it has become more of a, a public talking point, I think, hasn't it? Even if you think about... The, the ten year, you said they've been going ten years, yeah. And I know obviously their job is to publicise this issue, but and so obviously they've they've had a big part to do with that. But mm. you know, even what are we like early forties, you know, it's, you, you just didn't hear people talk about it, did you? And you it know? really feels like that, you know, that the acceleration has been in the last year, especially, but in the last, I'd say, three years, almost it's you'll turn on the radio or the TV, or and, and it really has started to hit the mainstream, yeah. Um, Stuff like Prince Harry. Pr well, and Prince Harry and and Calm has been very much involved in that. And Calm was and still is a small charity compared to Mind, the Samaritans, some of the other bigger, more traditional mental health charities. And but it's linking in with people like Prince Harry and Prince William, the, the Royal Foundation, because um, Calm was one of the eight chosen charities that they supported under their Heads Together Mental Health banner. Um, program this which has been running just over a year now around the, the London Marathon so it's amazing that people like that with huge cut through into intermedia and into public public brains public awareness has has really catapulted mental health and the stigma around it and it, it it's had huge positives in people talking about it mums dads kids you know all ages and I think you could almost pick only a few people that really do have that, you know, ability to reach everyone. And Prince Harry and Prince William and Kate, uh, uh, you know, are in that top five. Probably Beckham and a few others. But you know, it's been it's been superb from an awareness point of view. And their work specifically is is about male mental health, isn't it? So, could you explain why they've decided to focus on that particular issue? Absolutely, and and and. I mean, we, myself and Nelson's brother, Chris Pratt, came across Calm through, you know, through tragic circumstances that 
when Nelson died and, so and Nelson, took his life. Nelson, Nelson Pratt, Pratt, obviously our, our mutual friend and, Absolutely. and UK pro snowboarder. We found we found we found calm at that at that point because we really wanted to do something, you know, positive. Um, and calm at that point was the only charity that focused on male mental health and trying to combat male suicide, which again, tragically, at that time, it was only then in 2013 that we found out that the male suicide was the biggest single killer of young men in the UK. And still, still which is. is something that and still, still completely is. blows my mind, really. Absolutely. What's and that stat you just told me? 12 a day? So it's at the moment it stands, the last so 2013, there was 4, 000, over 4,600 suicides, male suicides, which is just under 80% of the total figure, which is over 6,000. And that equates to 12 a day, approximately. In which the UK? Is in the UK, which... Whichever way you look at it is absolutely yeah, bonkers. It's, it's, it is, it's really shocking statistic, I think. that. And, you know, that's why I'm so proud to be doing stuff like this where we actually get the chance to say that because the stats alone, aside from anything else in mental health, is, is, just, is just so ear-ringingly shocking. Yeah. yeah. So we've talked about their association with, with high-profile um, celebrities, if you like, that, that, they, they, that help raise the issue. But they also do specific fundraising initiatives as well and i think we'll, we'll obviously get in in detail on nelson's tour de test valley in a minute but could you give us a flavor of, of the kind of work that they do and how they try and raise awareness on these issues so we were we were attracted to calm because of their approach like like you're sort of suggesting here and it was much more based it wasn't around the traditional mental health language and it was reaching it was trying to reach younger a younger crowd as well you know it's sort of the 15, 16 upwards through music, through sport, through art, through culture, and with a really pretty positive, upbeat, kind of brash, direct voice and using you know, people like um, Professor Green, musicians, artists, you know, sportsmen who traditionally maybe hadn't been as open about it. And, and through Calm, they had a really good voice and... I know Nelson wouldn't have done it. I know a lot of other people that wouldn't perhaps have jumped on a phone line to Samaritans or jumped on a phone line to mine because the language, I think, is... I'm not saying they're not doing a really positive voice, but it wasn't as... Accessible, As accessible yeah. and uh, associating with it. And Calm, Calm has always used everything it could to, to get the message out there. And I think that really... You know, Nelson had a real love for music. He had a real love for sport. He had a love for sort of culture and... and Calm really felt like a really positive voice in that, amongst a really horrendous and tragic topic. Yeah, um, but they really because they do like they the, do reach people. What's it called the the, the dictionary? The, yeah, the man dictionary. Yeah, so a playful yeah. way of raising awareness, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, really. And and those are no beer mats all over the. Yeah. You know, man down, all sorts of you know something. Man really for to, shit. Yeah. Well, I'm looking at them on the wall. Like you see some Mantastic. Yeah. Manflage. Uh, it's really clever. It's really creative. And 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 through people like JC Decau, who are the big advertising placement agency, those you know those Calm didn't have the budget for those type of advertising posters, and they ended up all over the country. And yeah. they've had a huge. They've just got people talking, yeah. talking in pubs over over pints. You know, you know, white van man talking. You know, over a pint of Stella in a pub talking about mental health. I mean, that's huge for 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 Calm. And again, we'll get into specifics. Is is that really the the goal here? Communication, like 
openness, like, like enabling people to feel comfortable talking about it as a topic. But then if they have these issues, you know, if somebody listening to this has these issues, you know, then there's a, there's an out, there's a there's an outlet that they can go to to get help and to get assistance. It, it sounds corny, but the most powerful thing I think with all of this and is people feeling like they can open up and talk about their mental health and in a way any way of normalizing that and allowing people just that second to think this is all right for me to talk about it and in groups like where you only have to look at the stats 80 percent male we are we're we're pretty close to human beings often with our emotions yeah and if calm and if calm is helping change that through whatever medium they have then that is massively positive and if that takes Prince Harry or it takes Professor Green or if it takes any of their other ambassadors or your then, event or or sportsman yeah or, or our event or you know a load of people in Lycra in a field talking <laughs> about it then 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 that's the that that's a simple win yeah you know it really is aside from raising money doing anything yeah that's hugely important hugely crucial so you're also a trustee of Calm as well as the organiser of Nelson's Tour de Test Valley. So what's the trust, what does that mean? I became a trustee because in the first, uh, Nelson, Nelson was obviously a professional snowboarder. I'm sure we'll get onto a bit. But he was, also, he was also coaching Jenny Jones, the Olympic snowboarder at the time, in her run-up to Sochi. So there was real shock that someone like that, of that sort of standing um, professionalism, you know, someone with everything seemingly in his in, in his play yeah, outwardly with outwardly with everything um both as a human and his personality but also you know with with his work and and his achievements could could take his life and be so badly affected by you know by mental health and and taking and committing suicide so there was a huge amount of coverage so we raised in that first year we set up a cycle event but we had six seven eight hundred people come and ride it in the first year and we raised I mean, it nearly knocked us off our feet, but we raised over £60,000, I think, in the first year. So Calm, Calm were, were, at the time, was a small charity, and that was their biggest ever fundraising event. Wow. So, so that was in the first year? That was in the very first year. And right. we were bamboozled by it as well, but there was a huge positive sway from it. So we knew we had to keep it going, and I was asked to come if I would join the trustees. Right. Um, I also wanted to see where the money we'd raised was going to go yeah. and what we could do with it. Is a trustee in a, for any charity, is that, is that the job to sort of help be an independent overseer of how that charity's resources get used? Is that, that's my uh, understanding of it. Is uh, that correct? On a simple level, I think a, a, a charity is getting the best people they can round a table right. that for free can add their expertise. Okay, right. I end up round a table with a lot of hugely intelligent people right? and I'm pretty good at... Uh, running an event in a field and cycling and waffling a bit but I've I think because I was touched by it personally as well and I'm banging the right demographic of who they're trying to reach yeah and also I really did want to see where our money was going and and that it was going to have a lasting legacy and impact yeah then that's why I was asked to be there but but trustees put their put their time in for free and there's we have a lot of superbly high skill set trustees sat around the table right um and we sit there and we a couple of bananas every three months and we we you know we try and really drive the charity forward yeah so the event is uh, is obviously nelson's tour de test valley um so it's an annual cycling sportive multi-route isn't it yeah um and it's on nelson's parents farm right near andover 
Yeah. Um, so what contribution to calm does that event make practically? You know, you've said that you wanted to, to understand where the, where the money went. Can you tangibly um, quantify it? Can you, can you say like, oh, actually we paid for this? And, and, or can you even go further? Can you, can you put it into human terms? Like the, the contribution that like, you know, people that have done the event have made... So in a real simple in a real simple term, we've raised. I mean, in the first year we raised sort of sixty, sixty, seventy thousand, but we've raised over two hundred thousand now in four years. So, thanks to all the people that are riding and our contribution sponsors, that's been that's been huge. Yeah, that's more the, than, it's more their than, biggest fundraiser, right? Yeah, it still is, which is brilliant. You know, even amongst the London Marathon, the London Ten K. But in a really nice simple term, sixty thousand pounds is one seat in their call centre. So that's that's someone sat in that seat 365 days a year answering the calls. And that one seat for 60 grand answers 8,000 calls a year. Wow. So that is a lot of calls. Yeah. And if you look at last month alone, so one month's worth of calls, we saved approximately 34 lives and they track that through the conversations through the text messages oh wow so it can so be... it, it's as it's as hard as they can pin it down yeah but so i'm pretty proud to say yeah, we, you we have really we, we have had a really big impact yeah. and the the call center isn't they're fully different to some of the other call centers ours of highly trained trained you know refreshed regularly very personable, a small core team, and we're really proud of that. And they uh, and they really do have a huge impact on people. Yeah. Um. So, the money really is going somewhere, going somewhere useful to the, I suppose, to the front line. And that's where right now, with the mental health as it is, you know, one in four. I could give you all sorts of statistics, but that's where the, that's where it's needed. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so did you and so you organised this with uh, Nelson's brother Chris Pratt and his family, right? Yeah. So when did you guys have this the idea for the event? So was Nelson was Nelson had really got into his cycling, and I'd I I badgered him and and twisted his arm to get to in, embrace the lycra and get into it. And yeah, because it was something that you guys did. And together, annoyingly, right? just like he was with snowboarding, me he became good at it and better at it than me very quickly. Well, he was one of them, money now. Um, he was one of them, like really annoying so and sos who whatever he did, he was just like better than you at it straight away, it was wasn't he? Pretty funny because the local area um, where they are is Andover and near Stonehenge, and Nelson would turn up to the Andover Wheelers, their local cycle club time trial or hill climb. And he'd turn up on a on his bike with mud guards and a sandwich on the back and panniers and four water bottles and drinking a cup of tea, and then he'd he'd rip through the whole group and win the hill climb or win the time trial, and someone had asked him why he's not on a time trial bike and he'd say oh, what you know what's that I've only, <laughs> I've only got one bike yeah um, oh I, do, I couldn't have two oh, bikes oh, oh no yeah. it's too expensive <laughs> and, and and that was Nelson he was painfully deprecating but painfully talented yeah and. We got, we really, uh, and the cycle, the 100 mile cycle route that is in um, Nelson's Towards Less Valley, the, the 100 mile route called the Full Monty, was the very first 100 mile ride that Nelson ever did. And we did it together right. in a very small ride from Andover. And it was one of the best days, magical days, bluebird sunshine all day. Nelson grinned from ear to ear at about 55 cheese sandwiches all the way around it and, and, and just loved it. 
and I knew and Chris we knew when he you know that what we I almost knew straight away when he died what how we were going to keep his legacy going unfortunately Chris didn't like cycling as much as Nelson so I had to convince him of that pretty quickly and Nelson's uh, Chris's cycling career has gone from a couple of rides around the lanes to cycling up the Pyrenees, the Alps, Belgium. So he's been thrown in at the deep end right. with me. Um, and he still swears at me a lot about that. But yeah. Nelson had a lot of close friends who loved cycling as well. So it seemed and was the best thing to do. To, it seemed to, like a, obviously like a, a great fundraising opportunity, but also like a fitting tribute to, to Nelson. Absolutely. And yeah. for his friends and family, it's been absolutely crucial and superb to seeing them come together yeah. every year to remember him and remember him in the most positive way and Nelson would have loved everyone you know in the field having a big feed at the end and talking about cycling and yeah. eating chicken curry and generally just you know raising a hat to and uh, raising a glass to what to, to what's going on. it's tragic you know and it's painful to me even talk about it the fact he's not there because he it's just ridiculous the love that is in that, you know, at the ride for him. Yeah. And people come to the ride who've never heard of him because, you know, sportives are all over the country. There's one every weekend, you know, they turn up and they go away with this unbelievable feeling of love for a chap they've never met. Well, the, de- the, the, the atmosphere on the day is really magical, I think. And it's, uh, I say it in the intro, it's a really beautiful tribute to Nels. Um, so how how many people are you getting now? It's in the high hundreds now, right? So well, the last three or four years, we've we've had close to a thousand cyclists yeah. every year, which is last co- year I was blown away. So last year I think was our biggest. We had just under a thousand, which a that is a lot of brownies for Nelson's mum to make <laughs> and a lot of sandwiches to to butter. And Chris and I run around like tasered. All those brownies, wasp stung idiots. It's one organizer. of my favourite favourite things to look forward to. Then brownies. Nelson's mum starts cooking those in about December because <laughs> it takes a while. She literally cooks them all. She makes them all. And they've become kind of almost world famous. I mean, we've had a couple of cyclists who have come from overseas to, to ride it, but they have become almost world famous. Yeah, um, that's brilliant. So, you know, the, the, it sounds corny, but that, there is a, a real family touch to it. But so the, we, we limit it now to, to sort of eight, nine hundred because right. just the location and the logistics. <laughs> but... We always wanted to run it as a very professional event as well. Obviously, with the friends and the family at the centre. But for anyone who was coming, it was their first event that they really felt like they had all the support, the signage, the professionalism, the, the mechanical support, the food. You know, so because I've ridden loads of sportives and events, and we it wasn't just a, you know, it was something that had to have a legacy as well. Yeah, as an yeah. Event. Well, it's it's really it's up there. I mean, I've done quite a few now. You know, I've done like the wiggle ones and i've done some mm. of the ones and it's i mean it's it's got a unique atmosphere in the it, but it, it it more than holds its own as a as an organized event as a, as, a, as a legit cycling event and i think that's one of the the great things about it like you say that it's now getting a reputation isn't it in the wider uk cycling community it's just a just a great event isn't it you know yeah. it's it's really legitimate isn't it i think mainly because of its great food but but also like you said because it's very friendly and it's very welcoming but the route is also one of the best, you know, routes, most beautiful routes in the country, and a bit of a hidden gem because there's a few famous climbs in there, Coombe Gibbet, etc. But it's just stunning roads. And the cool thing about cycling is a bit different to running, what have you, that people get the chance to talk when they're cycling. So it's like a really bit, like I said, people who don't know about Nelson or maybe haven't been open about mental health 
in the past actually do get a chance to talk whilst they're doing it. Yeah. And I think it's cool what, how cycling's become so popular be, because people are able to talk when they do it and it becomes a real social thing and a community thing. And that's been really cool to see. Yeah. Um, you know, it's not just people running their own race or riding their own race. It's a social event that's as well. That's one of the reasons I really look forward to it because yeah. it is a proper social, yeah. yeah. Can you, do you enjoy the day or, or are you just too on? Um, it's a lot of people running around a field to, and, and also you want everyone to have a safe day. You know, you want everyone to enjoy it. So, but I love, I absolutely love seeing people at the start and then people about six hours later or whenever it is, you know, coming back with their own little victories and, you know, hearing people come up to me and say, oh, I've come from Liverpool, I've come from Blackpool and wow, Nelson sounded like such a great guy, you know, I, and also, I suppose, bringing it back to mental health, people coming up to me saying, this has helped me chat right. to my mates. This has helped me come out. This has helped me with my cycle group talk about it. And also just being aware of calm. And, and, and also, sadly, the crazy statistics that we talked about at the start. You yeah. know, people just, it's bonkers that that isn't out there in the, in the public domain more. And people, people learn about it through the event, through something positive. Yeah. Um, so... It does give us a really good feeling. Yeah. Um, but I don't blink for about eight hours on the day because so, I'm running around <laughs> like an idiot. But it's, well, it's, but it's you it's and great. Chris like helmet, don't you? So Yeah. yeah. Um, and how do people that take part in the ride uh, raise funds? Is it is it the classic like get sponsored? Because you do the jerseys, don't you, as well? And you do the, the, the merchandise. Is that is that how people contribute? Like maybe buy a jersey, maybe raise a bit of yeah, money? Yeah, and, and we don't really hammer people's doors and Calm have never been a bucket-rattling charity at all. They're never, no chuggers. They never chuggers. They're not pesterers. They don't chase you down the street in a, with a clipboard and a high-vis high vis vest. And, you know, that Calm's, that's never been Calm's approach. But So we... And we've... The jerseys, the cycle jerseys have become a bit kind of legendary as well. Yeah, they're quite, quite culty, aren't they? Yeah. You know. We've got a great designer, Dale, a friend of mine who designs those. And they they sell out every year and they raise four or 5,000 for the charity. We've done caps, which, I mean, again, me being a bit shallow, I love, you know, a cool cap, a cool jersey. And, and they always go down really well. So there are other ways for people to raise money. But then you've got people like Jeremy Sladen's kids, you know, young kids who raise a lot of money you yeah. know, and cycle their first 50 miles. Uh, you've got loads of friends of Nelson and other people who, you know, 100 miles, it might be their first 100 miles, so they yeah. raise raise a load of money. And that's just... that They're the stories in the background that we don't hear until afterwards. Yeah. And it's brilliant. Like and you say, those individual milestones. Yeah. yeah. And and people doing it... They The amount of people, you know, with the stats we talked about, come up to me and say, you know, we lost a friend at work last year. We... We lost someone, or I know my brother's depressed, or you know, uh, suffering from mental health, and so there's all these other ways that people have got involved, not through Nelson at all, but just the link. So it's brilliant, and people raise money in all sorts of ways. Yeah, you know, we one of the biggest Vans footwear who Nelson um, was sponsored by for the last few years have been our primary sponsor and without them things like the we wouldn't be able to pay for the jerseys to produce we wouldn't be able to put on all the food that we do so it's people like that that do do really help the event keep going and yeah. allow us to give all the profits from the event straight to Carl right so allow us to raise as an event a lot of money yeah as well as the individuals yeah well I think it'd be uh, really good to chat about Nels if you're up for that, because obviously he was a really dear friend of 
of both of ours and, and a really, you know, much loved member of our little UK snowboarding community. So how, how did you guys meet? Um, Nelson and I ended up on our Basie snowboard instructors course in the middle of a pretty bleak teen in November. Uh, flipping heck, ages ago, maybe 97, 98. And wow, we were both, okay, that long ago. I didn't really realise that. Yeah, um, I'd, I'd kind of got a bit disillusioned with going to uni. Nelson was the same. We both ended up there. All we wanted to do is rip around the mountain and jump off everything we could and crash a lot. And we both had, we both looked like kind of twins. We both had crazily curly, weird hairdos and, and big baggy sort of pants and beanies. And we, Nelson had nowhere to live. I'd, I was working for Crystal Holidays. I had a job sort of sorted out. And, and Nelson and I just kind of immediately within meeting became... I just kind of knew he was a special guy and we just got on immediately. Um, and he ended up, we ended up living with each other that first season. Um, and we just snowboarded everywhere together, did everything together and became kind of inseparable. Um, my mum always kind of uses a bit of analogy. She saw us walking down the very first time she met Nelson, which she saw us walking down the road together. And before she, before she saw us, you know, that she could tell who's who, she didn't know which was which, <laughs> which I know sounds really cheesy, but it really summed up, I think, straight away, I knew I'd found a best friend for life, and yeah. I did, right there, in that very first few couple of days. And I'd been at a tough point of leaving school and not knowing what I was doing, and, and Nelson completely changed my life at that time. And my mum literally said I didn't know which one was which, and she knew. She, my mum said immediately she fell in love with Nelson, just like every mum did, and every but immediately as well. And so it was a yeah, it was a big it was a big moment in my life that you know meeting him, and we became inseparable really ever since then. We, Nelson, we should say, was really really good at snowboarding, wasn't he? I mean, he was like you know he's the classic like underrated british rider but everybody rated him isn't he do you know what i mean like he was he was that good wasn't he in in every circle of people he met or anyone that knew him or came across him he was everyone knew how talented he was and you immediately noticed him wherever you know people noticed him wherever he turned up to ride yeah he was one of them money he? he was like silent destroyer so, and i mean and early on he would leap off everything and almost be he would he had no fear uh, and also he was built wasn't he he, he was he like was a, a greek he was like a greek god he was I mean, a proper physical i mean physically he was there was he hadn't lifted a weight in his life but it was like he'd been lifting weights with jeff jeff capes for years i mean he was he was so strong but he the thing i think was a bit different with nelson is that he'd come from a real ski racing kind of background as well through the british side a bit through the british team and, and so he had unbelievable edge control he'd skied for a lot when he was younger yeah his board control was up there for and, sure and i noticed that about him straight away and he really helped my riding like that um he, his edge control and his spatial awareness as well you know this was just before the day when all the inverted tricks sort of started he, he would he'd kind of sit there think about it his head for a bit and then do it straight away road backside rodeos backflips all sorts me and james stentiford who i interviewed for this podcast actually yesterday and i don't know if this will come out before or afterwards so if you listen to this and i'm repeating myself i'm really sorry but um one of the things we talked about actually was this 
idea of like you know exceptional physical talent and and you know you can you can snowboard for for example you can snowboard for a long time and you can learn tricks and you can you can put snow time in but you know with some snowboarders or any athlete there's there are those ones James Stenniford is definitely one of those riders I would put our friend Hamish Duncan in that category um you know someone like Nicholas Muller is the example that me and James gave you know they've just got that something different they've just got that you know, it's the way they carry themselves. It's the way that they can, it's their edge control. It's the way they look at the mountain. And Nelson definitely had that right. I mean, I remember we did a trip to Argentina, me and Nelson, about 2002. And that was really the first time I'd properly seen him ride a lot up close. I mean, I knew he was good. I'd seen him in the mags and seen his footage and stuff. But that really stood out, you know, that, that, that extra special awareness, as you just put it. Like you said, it wasn't just the physical side and the edge control and what have you. It was his, I think it was, and what a lot of top, top athletes have, like the ones you've talked about and in other elite, it was the visualisation, I think. Yeah, that ability he to, was, to translate it. He was really able to focus and visualise it in his head. I mean, he was a very, very emotionally intelligent person in loads of different levels, but very different to me. He 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 could visualise a trick in his head. I mean, I'd literally see him sat on his bed whirling his head round in the in in the night before and he'd say I'm going to learn a backside rodeo tomorrow which is where you go upside down and you know and you, you'll spin a 360 as well and and he would go and do that the very next day but Nelson did it purely for his own benefit as well he didn't do it for the crowd he'd go and build a kicker in the middle of nowhere in a snowstorm and do it for six hours until he did it well this is the really great thing i remember about nels which is that he didn't care about the about the the trappings did he or the industry or any of that stuff you know that like a man of his talent you know if if, if he'd have had like the 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 i'm not going to say drive because he had drive but you understand the point i'm making you know mm. if he was bothered about like having a career in that industry he could he would have been really successful because he had he had all the ingredients but he just so obviously rode for himself. And that is a really cheesy thing, but it was actually true with Nels, wasn't it? But you I know? think that's why he was so loved because everyone knew how hyper-talented he was. I mean, it's not, it's not grandiose to say he was pretty much the, the best freestyle rider at a time, I think, in the, you know, in the UK, or one of them anyway. But all he wanted to do was ride in his old boots, you know, the pants with tears in, and his favourite woolly jumper. I mean, that, you know, and that is it. And almost being sponsored was a hindrance I mean, he loved it and he had, at times he loved it and he, he had some great support for some great brands like Vans, you know, and Heli Hansen and other ones, but he didn't care. He he just wanted to go out and ride at seven o'clock in the morning as soon as the lift were open. And and it people loved him for that. Yeah. Um, and he was pure like that, absolutely. And it is cheesy, but he was he was pure like that. And it was his, it was definitely his release, you know, from other pressures and what have you. And it was, he absolutely loved it for the right reasons. But he also, it was his sort of tonic as well. It was like his, his way of escaping from, from anything else. Cause he did feel the pressures, Nelson. He did feel the pressures of competitions and things like that. You know, he was more of a, someone who just loved sessioning a jump on his own or with some friends. Yeah. Um, and as he became really good, and as he, as other people noticed how good he was, competitions and whatever you were weren't necessarily what he loved doing. Um, but he was he was incredible. Yeah, yeah. You mentioned pressures, and obviously, 
there, there were clearly other pressures that were at work with Nels. Did you guys have the kind of relationship where, where you could discuss that? I mean, did you know the extent to which he was obviously struggling? Um, Nelson was a, 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 the most lovable character, but he was he was complex, and he did he did he did suffer from you know pressures and anxieties, and you know I think he wrestled quite a bit with his snowboarding life, whether you know whether it was right for him to be snowboarding and out enjoying snowboarding all the time, and not perhaps you know living a more normal life with with a job. He felt the pressures of sponsorship competitions and he, he he was him and I were really open with each other you know we we lived in a flat about the size of a you know a small trainer for three or four years so we had to be open with each other yeah I mean the, our toilet door didn't, well, it didn't <laughs> even have a door on it so you know we had to be open yeah um and I think we were but Nelson was, he was complex. He was highly stubborn as well, you know. So a lot of time I think he did, he opened up to a degree, but then didn't perhaps open up as much as maybe he wanted to or should have done. And I think, again, that's where snowboarding and things like that was an outlet for him. Yeah. Um, for him to go away and, and, and find, have some of that time on his own to, to release some of that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he was, he was open. A lot more open than a lot of other blokes and friends that I know. Yeah. Right. Uh, a lot more honest. Um, so, so yeah, but so, but it was, it was still a, obviously a huge shock to you what happened. It it was a huge shock in the sense that I knew Nelson suffered from real periods of anxiety, periods of depression, periods of, of times when he really was feeling the pressures, both whether it be in relationships, whether it, I mean, he, he also had quite a few, bad injuries and he really like most of us and most blokes really don't deal with with injuries very well and he had a couple of really bad concussions and there were some periods when he was really struggled you know if he Nelson was one of he was like a he was like a champion racehorse if he couldn't go out running or if he if he couldn't do any exercise he really suffered and he had a, a really serious concussion for a, for a, for a patch um so, I, but I knew he suffered, but I never, and I thought I knew him better, and I think I did know him better than anyone, you know, on the planet. But I never, we'd never discussed, or that had never come up, right. that that was an option. Yeah. And he was, and again, this is taking my word for it. He was probably the most loved human being that I know, as far as friends go, whether they'd known him for a day or whether they'd known him for twenty years. He was. He was the absolutely most loved person I know. Well, um, that's one of the really um, awful, I guess irony is the wrong word, but it, you know, it'll do in this case. It is one of the awful ironies of this whole situation because, and it must be so common with, with, with this uh, situation generally that how, how he did touch a lot of people through his different endeavours. You know, I'm thinking of, you've described the, the place he had in the UK scene and then, you know, he was a coach with the army, wasn't he? You know, yeah, yeah. like he, he, coach Jenny and you know he had all these different worlds where he was a really big figure and at his funeral it was really it was there was a lot of people there and and, and you I think know it was about five I think it was over 500 and all and it was a lot of people from a lot of different walks of life and what you really got the that was the saddest part of the day for me because it was like you know god did he even know how clearly well thought of by this many people that like he was you know and that's as you said earlier with the bike ride 
that it's it's really lovely now that but it is it is a it is a bit of a horrible irony about the whole thing really do you, do you think he knew that or do you think do you, he just didn't feel like he could communicate how he was feeling like you say it's painfully it's painfully frustrating that nelson had one of those rare talents of being able to walk in a in a pub and get on with everyone from the farmer to the professional cricket yeah. player or the professional football or whatever it might be or or a banker or whatever you know every demographic and you see on the bike ride we've got everyone from farmers to professional cyclists turning up and i th- nelson was was painfully deprecating and it was one of his most adorable traits but at the same time painful in the sense that I think if he'd allowed that love to go in that everyone gave him and maybe didn't have some perhaps whether he had too much expectation on himself you know like a lot of us do a lot of blokes especially do maybe he would have felt that a bit more and maybe that would have helped him come out of the you know, out of the pain and out of that, the cave that he was in. Um, Because like you say, it isn't an exaggeration that he touched everyone from every walk of life who met him. Um, And it's like you said, it's, it's it's incredible to see that on the event. But I, I, at times I get, I get really cross with him that he didn't, he didn't feel that or believe that more. Um, because do, do you have any guilt about that, given that you were, you know, close to him? Yeah, I do. Yeah, I do have some guilt. Absolutely, especially because I'm which a, I don't think you should have at all. Like I don't, I, well, I, I don't think you've got anything to feel guilty well, about. But well, I'm just well, no. You know. I, of course, I have some guilt in the sense that you always think, and I would always, I will always think, there's more I could have done and and should have done. Not from a, a talking point of view, but. Of course, of course, I f- of course I feel some guilt. Um, I wish, you know, I spoke to him sort of two or three days before that happened, um, and I knew he was in a bad place that that those few days. Um, but I, I know that I had no idea that he would ever do what you know what happened that he would ever kill himself. I never ever knew that it it, it was that that it was going to be that serious and that was going to happen. But I was there for him to talk to. Um, but of course I'll have some guilt. I feel, and I suppose maybe that's why I'm so driven and Chris and I are so driven to make this, to, to have a positive legacy of what happened, not just for his family, but for us as well. Of course. And to, and to, to use this experience that you've had and his family have had, to look at as you've so obviously done and, and by the sounds of it it's in such detail to look at it and think okay well what were those situations like what where could I have given mm. where could he have received more support because I know I know one of the other things is mm. that we've talked about before that the actual on the ground support Nelson had at that time if you like what probably wasn't that useful to him was it really on the ground as in the as in because he did try and get help didn't he yeah, and this is, I mean, you know, and I, I've I've suffered from from really bad periods of of being down and, and depression, and Nelson knew that, and we both, you know, both had been touched by that, so we both had really personal insights into that and our own ways of dealing with it. And but Nelson was, you know, he did he did seek help from a GP. He did seek help that that week, or I think the week before. And unfortunately, and I could get onto a rant here, but unfortunately, the, the experience he had is 
absolutely classic with people turning up at a GP. There was, there was no time for him to, you know, he had to wait six weeks for any therapy. He was offered antidepressants, which he didn't really want to just pile in and take. He was offered an online survey, which he, he really scored very high on anxiety at the time. And he was sent away with a link to an online CBT program, which knowing Nelson, even opening a computer, let alone turning it on. Yeah, he wasn't the best at emails, was, uh, was he? <laughs> you know, he would have soon, sooner put wheels on it and skateboarded <laughs> around the room on it. So it just wasn't right for him. And, that, and I could tell you, you know, of 12 men a day, probably six, seven or eight of those have got a similar story. Yeah, of and, course, yeah. And that... Again, I'm not trying to bring it back to the charity, but again, that's why what we do... Well, I think you should bring it back to charity. Does is so important. That's why I raised it, because, you know, that's why this is about contextualising it differently and making it easier for people to find support, isn't it? All, you know? all we want to do is give people another outlet, another place just for that one second, if it is to pick up the phone and to have a chance of that family or that person not doing what they're about to do. And if they, even if they pick up the phone and don't speak, at least gives our guys a chance to, you know, a train to try and get in there yeah. and make a difference. Yeah. And it's not a pill. It's not a quick fix. It's not a six week waiting list. It's not a, you know, and the stigma, you, you just, and it's bloody hard to get people to pick up the phone, but that's what it's about. And, and I feel guilty that Nelson did, you know, that Nelson didn't have that chance. And, there wasn't more at the time, but that was Chris and our, you know, and the family's thing that more people have to be told about these other services. Yeah, of course. There has to be other ways of, and educate, educating people. It's not, you know, if someone doesn't ring the call centre, there's other things they can do to help themselves. And, you know, other ways of, of perhaps coming out of that and just getting a glimmer of a, of letting the human and the rational brain come back for a second and take control, just what, however it is, you know, throwing an ice bucket over your head, <laughs> doing a press up, whatever it is, yeah. to to stop that for a second, yeah, because it literally is that can be only that second that might save someone. Well, as you mentioned earlier, you've got your own experience of um, of these of these issues. So, and one of the things I've I've noticed and really admire about you is that you do you're really proactive in trying to manage that that yourself. And for you, like physical therapy if you like is is really important right is that something that you would agree with like yeah me running around like an idiot makes me feel better whether it's on a bike or but it's become i suppose i i've i know and have become more intelligent with what, with what works for me and everyone has different things that helps them but i mean scientifically obviously the better we sleep the more exercise we do the, the better we eat all those sort of classic things of course scientifically can have a huge benefit to our mental health but for me it is a really important part of not maybe not just for my self-esteem and but i enjoy doing it well you're I'm a not, you're a frother as well let's, I'm, not, let's, love, not, yeah. let's not forget that and i love all sports surfing cycling there is that as well tiddlywinks whatever it might be <laughs> you know and i'm competitive so i get well there's a few different things going on but but uh, and for nelson you know sport was a huge his therapy you know it was a not just from the serotonin release not from all those you know all the hormones the dopamine that go on from that release but just from the, the buzz um but I, I i really have to look after myself you know and that that helps me sleep it helps me eat well it helps me sort of drink water you know all the things that small things that actually really can add up and i've been right on the deck you know i've been i've definitely had moments where i've considered you know taking my life which is a huge 
thing really because on paper you know again i've got a, an amazing sort of family support you know great family amazing wife i've now got two kids two beautiful kids two, you know and and other days you know you, you you feel brilliant but blokes and we are under pressure and and the world is quite you know there are a lot of pressures going on and we are well you only have to look at the statistics a lot of people are touched by it and we it's finding what works for you and it really might not be antidepressants it might have to be but but again it's it's just getting some of these messages out there to yeah. people and i look around the field i look around the cycle event on that day and people are talking you know other snowboarders are coming out and saying you know they've suffered from anxiety i mean hamish duncan our really good mutual friend he broke his back and it really put him into you know that has caused him whether it's ptsd or whatever it is you know he he's been really open about his battles with demons and there's all sorts of other stories and that for me a it allows me to talk about it uh, which is brilliant but it allows other people to talk yeah. about it well that, i mean that's what's so and that's why i wanted to do this interview with you really because i think you know nelson's tour de test valley is is an incredibly positive event i mean that that's what should be said and and i think like i said i think you're wrong to feel guilty about what happened with nelson but i think you i think it's so admirable how you and chris have turned what is a really awful situation into something so amazingly positive and and that is having such a great benefit on a lot of different levels you know on the fundraising level that we've discussed and and that practical outcome but then you know this this communication level and these these individual stories that we're talking about i mean you should be proud of that and it is, it is a great thing it, it, it is brilliant and i suppose what what you i suppose what a lot of time people forget you know when someone does take their life or if someone is really seriously mental Ill, the ripple effect around families friends and families that that can impact is horrendous and huge so if you are able to stop one person, you're actually potentially saving 10, 50, you know, you're, you're really... It's important. You're really, really... I mean, that's a really, you know, banal comment, but... You, are, you know, you really is. can have an impact on that family. And, and it, the horrible... It, it, say if a brother, you know, Chris was at something like 30 or 40% more risk of him committing suicide, having his brother done it. So we know... And we do feel proud that we are stopping it, as in helping stop some of those statistics. And and that is a you know aside like you said aside from the money, just just getting people talking about it. I mean, I I just really hope that with the money you know with the the royals being involved, all these people talking about it on Radio One, the Theresa May standing up in Parliament saying mental health is one of our biggest agendas and biggest battles, big you know. I really hope that the money does trickle down to someone like Nelson walking into a GP surgery in Andover and saying, I'm on the deck. What, how can you help me? Yeah. And then not turning around and saying, right, you've got to wait six weeks for therapy. Nelson might not want in therapy or you can take these pills. I really don't want to take pills. There has to be at that point, right. You, there's this event going on at the weekend. There's some mindfulness here. There's, you could try all these different, you know, giving him a few different options yeah and that's my that's my sort of i'd love that to see that happen and i'd love to see nelson then being able to walk down into the pub a week later and being able to be more open about it amongst 
friends with also other people he not met and not feel that he's about to be booed out the pub with all those cliches about being mental and what have you. I mean, even the word mental sends me, it gives me shivers even talking about it like that. But yeah. you know what I'm trying to I say. I do, I do. Well, the next big question, um, do you get to ride? Because knowing what a, what a keno you are... <laughs> <laughs> I'd love to ride, but you don't get to ride, dear. That must be torture for you watching that that go out every every year. All your mates off riding, and you can't do it. It is, it is not least because of how competitive you are. And Absolutely, you'd, you'd but I'd, I'd only to, get beaten by someone like Jenny Jones. You'd or love Amy the chance Fuller, to rinse who, everybody who race who race round, and even James Centerford, who we've talked about, who doesn't train at all all year and eats a lot of cake and surfs a lot and turns up and well, rides a hundred miles at a. Uh, you know, a good pace. So I'd, I'd, he's another one of those annoying sods, isn't he? Yeah. So, no, I don't get to ride, but that I, I do ride in that area a lot, and we ride a lot to to check the route and all of that. And it's I love riding there, but I love again sounds cheesy, but I love watching everyone set off and people I've not met at all, and then really good friends watch you know go off and have a really good ride around. Even my mum's riding this year, and she's been training in the Lake District for for the last month. Uh, she swears at me every time I ring her, saying that she's she's been out riding the hill. So, yeah, I, it's brilliant. I get a real buzz from watching everyone else do it. And, you know, people standing in freezing cold in a field, you know, it's cold at 7 o'clock in the morning when the ride starts, and just watching people turn up and the commitment to coming and doing it. You know, when we first did it, we thought we'd probably have me, Chris, Nelson's mum and dad, and a couple of the farmhands down there to do it. So it's amazing that now it's... It feels like a proper event. Yeah. Um, and are you, are you getting out on the on the bike much generally at the minute? Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to slip into the tights and into the lycra as much as possible. Um, and I'm living in Harrogate in Yorkshire at the minute. And my God, there's some good climbs and roads around there and right in the depths of the dales. So yeah, it's absolutely brilliant. And like I said before, it's a really... I've met some new friends and I've talked about the event and and i found myself ended up it's a really good way because i run a bit as well but you just don't get the chance to well you can't really talk when you run properly and cycling is a brilliant way of meeting people and there's all these communities now cycle clubs have grown so much that it's brilliant you know and there's good coffee and beer at the end of it mainly which is <laughs> yes yeah, even more important definitely part of the appeal yeah um, so, so that's really cool, yeah. And it's it's helped me load cycling, you know. It really has, and um, that sort of, yeah, just that um, bond with people and chatting to people. Yeah. So, I think we, well, we're, we've done that has gone so quickly. We've done fifty minutes there. Um, so I think we should try and draw it to a close. I guess, I guess I'd like to ask a couple of things. So if if, um, if somebody listening to this is is struggling like what 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 could they do what how, how can they what what advice would you give them i think th th there's lots of lots of different bits of advice but if i mean from calm's point of view i think often it's really initially can be very hard to open up to close family and to really close friends because and i know nelson felt this and i felt this before you you often feel like you don't want to let your parents down, your best friend down, your mum down, your dad down, your brother down. You think that they might, they really might think less of you, which is obviously crazy, but that's how people feel. So try ringing someone like Calm's Helpline, you know, someone who is trained, someone who 
there is no expectation there. There is no pressure. And just try and allow yourself to do that. Even just, like you said, even just ring up and say hello and say nothing else. Um, and let someone try and help you. Because the sad thing is that our brains are so powerful. And to simplify it, the, the bad side of our brain is so much more powerful than the good side. You know, three, four, five, ten times more powerful. And that little that little idiot in your brain is is trying to is trying to pull you down the wrong path and any way of stopping that any way of halting that for a second and just getting a bit of you know it's why they say to breathe because at least if you take a couple of deep breaths you have a moment just to slow your thoughts down a bit and just let that good side of your brain back in the human side and so i would <laughs> ringing a call center or ringing a friend if if a friend and just just don't be afraid to ask for help and it is unbelievable that when you open up to someone whoever it is you'll be amazed probably how they open up back to you and say either they've been touched by it personally or they know someone who has or you know their friend has or their brother or you know so just those conversations those early conversations can can really help and don't don't feel like you're letting anyone down, you know, and I know that seems such a simple thing to say, but it's it's really hard, but it's brave. It's brave to admit it. It's not brave to do the do the opposite. And how about if um, if somebody listened to this word to help, you know, was listening to this and thought, OK, I want to I want to contribute. You know, I want to I want to help raise awareness on this issue. Like, what could they do? Oh, I think anyone with a and and in a way, I could have opened up about my stories and Nelson's stories uh, even earlier on. But anyone who's got any of their own stories or experiences, feelings, expertise in the subject, you know, their own their own um, their own experience with it, really, sh- really, to come out and talk about those for other people helps. You know, hundreds of you only have to look at some of the articles on Calm's websites and things like that. That as soon as someone else comes out, um, it has a massive impact. And whether they're a celebrity or whether they're just whether you know whether it's just anyone with a normal life comes out, then it really helps other people talk about it and normalise it and reduce the stigma. And you know, people like Professor Green and all these people. You know, more. I and thought more his celebra- documentary was amazing. I've well, got to say, I thought it was brilliant, and, and I'll put a link to that because I'm sure it's probably still on the iPlayer somewhere, isn't it? And brutally honest. So honest. And so, you know, and I think if some footballers have come out, Clark Carlisle. You know, there have been other ones, but the, there are so many. You know, one in four are touched by mental health problems. If not, I think even that's even going to probably increase. So. There's so many more people of every level. Yeah. And and Prince Harry, you know, they've admitted, you know, obviously, you know, they've had a... That's an extremely brave thing for him to do. So it's... But whoever it is, it's not people on a pedestal like that. It's it's just... Just break the mould and and come out around your friends and see what happens. Yeah. You know, and and just not... It's not about being honest, but just, just allow yourself that bit of kindness and accept what's going on to, 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 to be able to talk about it and and see, give people a chance to help back. Um, but I wish we all followed our, all, <laughs> this is good advice, but that but that's, you know, and I wish I followed it all the time like that. Um, but that's, it really can make a difference. Well, Marcus, that's been uh, really honest and open and I massively appreciate you doing that. 
Um, and I will see you in 10 days, I believe, when I will be doing the 50 and not the 100. Yeah, Nelson's. you only told me about that just as you thrust <laughs> me a microphone, so I couldn't give you any stick about it. Yeah, I'm not going to bow to beer group pressure. I am doing the 50 this year. Um, You're not shaving your legs, are you? No, you? I'm not going to do that okay, either. Okay, a bit but, serious. Um, but no, thanks again. That's been brilliant. No, brilliant to talk to you. So there you go. That was my chat with my dear friend, Marcus Chapman. And uh, I hope you agree that that was uh, an incredibly uh, moving and honest conversation. And uh, hats off to Marcus for for everything he's doing, really, um, and for the for the great legacy he's created for his for his best friend Nelson. So, if you've been affected by any of the issues raised in this podcast, I do implore you to take advantages of the services offered by organisations such as Calm Mind or the Samaritans. Um, these these organisations are doing great work, and they and they really do offer avenues that that can help people get the help that they need. So, yeah. Um, in the show notes you're going to find links to each of those organizations to some of the initiatives that we discussed and generally hopefully a lot of resources that that can be um, really useful and positive similarly if you want to help um, check the calm site there's loads of ways to get involved Uh, and and i would say you know not just calm um, with every organization you know they all need help they're all charities they're all run by volunteers and and professionals but they you know they need all the hands and creative energy they can get to help uh, run these campaigns so yeah again check the check the show notes and you can find out more ways that you can get involved and if you head into the tour de test valley this year um, i'm going to try and get this out hopefully a week before that event then i hope to see you there and i hope to share a beer in memory of uh, of nelson there Okay, that's it for this week. Um, normal service will be resumed next week, but I hope you enjoyed this one and I hope you, uh, I hope you appreciate why I did it. And um, yeah, thanks for listening and I'll see you next time. Bye-bye.